I have a dear friend who, in the early years of his marriage, was convinced he and his family needed a four-wheel drive pickup truck. His wife was sure that he did not need but merely wanted the new vehicle. A playful conversation between this husband and wife initiated their consideration of the advantages and disadvantages of such a purchase. Sweetheart, we need a four-wheel drive truck. She asked, why do you think we need a new truck? He answered her question with what he believed was the perfect response. What if we needed milk for our children in a terrible storm? <laughs> and the only way I could get to the grocery store was in a pickup. His wife replied with a smile, if we buy a new truck, we won't have money for milk. So why worry about getting to the store in an emergency? Over time, they continued to counsel together and ultimately decided to acquire the truck. Shortly after taking possession of the new vehicle, my friend wanted to demonstrate the utility of the truck and validate his reasoning for wanting to purchase it. So he decided he would cut and haul a supply of firewood for their home. It was in the autumn of the year, and snow already had fallen in the mountains where he intended to find wood. As he drove up the mountainside, the snow gradually became deeper and deeper. My friend recognized the slick road conditions presented a risk, but with great confidence in the new truck, he kept going. Sadly, my friend went too far along the snowy road. As he steered the truck off of the road at the place he had determined to cut wood, he got stuck. All four of the wheels on the new truck spun in the snow. He readily recognized that he did not know what to do to extricate himself from this dangerous situation. He was embarrassed and worried. My friend decided, well, I will not just sit here. He climbed out of the vehicle and started cutting wood. He completely filled the back of the truck with the heavy load. And then my friend determined he would try driving out of the snow one more time. As he put the pickup into gear and applied power, he started to inch forward. Slowly the truck moved out of the snow and back onto the road. He finally was free to go home a happy and a humbled man. I pray for the assistance of the Holy Ghost as I now emphasize vital lessons that can be learned from this story about my friend, the truck, and the wood. It was the load. It was the load of wood that provided the traction necessary for him to get out of the snow, to get back on the road, and to move forward. It was the load that enabled him to return to his family and to his home. Brothers and sisters, each of us also carries a load. Our individual load is comprised of demands and opportunities, obligations and privileges, afflictions and blessings, and options and constraints. Two guiding questions can be helpful 
as we periodically and prayerfully assess our load. Is the load I am carrying producing the spiritual traction that will enable me to press forward with faith in Christ on the straight and narrow path and avoid getting stuck? Is the load I am carrying creating sufficient spiritual traction so I ultimately can return home to Heavenly Father? Sometimes we mistakenly may believe that happiness is the absence of a load. But bearing a load is a necessary and essential part of the plan of happiness. Because our individual load needs to generate spiritual traction, we should be careful to not haul around in our lives so many nice but unnecessary things that we are distracted and diverted from the things that truly matter most. The Savior said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke is a wooden beam normally used between a pair of oxen or other animals that enables them to pull together on a load. A yoke places animals side by side so they can move together in order to accomplish a task. Brothers and sisters, please consider the Lord's uniquely individual invitation to take my yoke upon you. Making and keeping sacred covenants yokes us to and with the Lord Jesus Christ. In essence, the Savior is beckoning us to rely upon and pull together with Him, even though our best efforts are not equal to and cannot be compared with His. As we trust in and pull our load with Him during the journey of mortality, truly, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. We are not and never need be alone. We can press forward in our daily lives with heavenly help. Through the Savior's Atonement, we can receive capacity and strength beyond our own. As the Lord declared, Therefore, continue your journey and let your hearts rejoice. For behold and lo, I am with you even unto the end. Consider the example in the Book of Mormon as Amulon persecuted Alma and his people. The voice of the Lord came to these disciples in their afflictions. Lift up your heads and be of good comfort, for I know of the covenant which ye have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. Now please note the centrality of covenants to the promise of deliverance. Covenants received and honored with integrity and ordinances performed by proper priesthood authority are necessary to receive all of the blessings made available through the Atonement of Jesus Christ. For in the ordinances of the priesthood, the power of godliness is manifest unto men and women in the flesh, including the blessings of the Atonement. Recall the Savior's statement, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, 
as we consider the next verse in the account of Alma and his people. And I will also ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them upon your backs. Many of us perhaps may assume this scripture is suggesting that a burden suddenly and permanently will be taken away. The next verse, however, describes how the burden was eased. And now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them, that they could bear up their burdens with ease. And they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. The challenges and difficulties were not immediately removed from the people. But Alma and his followers were strengthened, and their increased capacity made the burdens lighter. These good people were empowered through the Atonement to act as agents and impact their circumstances. And in the strength of the Lord, Alma and his people were directed to safety in the land of Zarahemla. My beloved brothers and sisters, not only does the Atonement of Jesus Christ overcome the effects of the fall of Adam and make possible the remission of our individual sins and transgressions, but His Atonement also enables us to do good and become better in ways that stretch far beyond our mortal capacities. Most of us know that when we do things wrong and need help to overcome the effects of sin in our lives, the Savior has made it possible for us to become clean through His redeeming power. But do we also understand that the Atonement is for faithful men and women who are obedient, worthy, and conscientious, and who are striving to become better and serve more faithfully? I wonder if we fully acknowledge the strengthening aspect of the Atonement in our lives and mistakenly believe we must carry our load all alone through sheer grit, willpower, and discipline and with our obviously limited capacities. It is one thing to know that Jesus Christ came to the earth to die for us, but we also need to appreciate that the Lord desires through His Atonement and by the power of the Holy Ghost, to enliven us, not only to guide but also to strengthen and heal us. Alma explains why and how the Savior can enable us. And He shall go forth, suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this that the word might be fulfilled which saith, he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy, according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Thus, brothers and sisters, the Savior has suffered not just for our sins and iniquities, but also for our physical pains and anguish, our weaknesses and shortcomings, our fears and frustrations, 
our disappointments and discouragement, our regrets and remorse, our despair and desperation, the injustices and the inequities we experience, and the emotional distresses that beset us. There is no physical pain, no spiritual wound, no anguish of soul or heartache, no infirmity or weakness you or I ever confront in mortality that the Savior did not experience first. In a moment of weakness, we may cry out, no one knows what it is like. No one understands. But the Son of God perfectly knows and understands, for He has felt and borne our individual burdens. And because of His infinite and eternal sacrifice, He has perfect empathy and can extend to us His arm of mercy. He can reach out, touch, succor, heal, and strengthen us to be more than we could ever be and help us do that which we could never do, relying only upon our own power. Indeed, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I invite you to study, pray, ponder, and strive to learn more about the Savior's Atonement as you assess your individual load. Many things about the Atonement we simply cannot comprehend with our mortal minds, but many aspects of the Atonement we can and need to understand. For my friend, the load of wood provided life-saving traction. The empty truck could not move through the snow, even equipped with four-wheel drive. A heavy load was necessary to produce traction. It was the load. It was the load that provided the traction that enabled my friend to get unstuck, to get back on the road, to press forward, and to return to his family. The unique burdens in each of our lives help us to rely upon the merits, mercy, and grace of the Holy Messiah. I testify and promise the Savior will help us to bear up our burdens with ease. As we are yoked with Him through sacred covenants and receive the enabling power of His Atonement in our lives, we increasingly will seek to understand and live according to His will. We also will pray for the strength to learn from, change, or accept our circumstances rather than praying relentlessly for God to change our circumstances according to our will. We will become agents who act rather than objects that are acted upon. We will be blessed with spiritual traction. May each of us do and become better through the Savior's Atonement. Today is April the 6th. We know by revelation that today is the actual and accurate date of the Savior's birth. April the 6th is also the day on which the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was organized. On this special and sacred Sabbath day, I declare my witness that Jesus the Christ, 
is our Redeemer. I testify he lives and will cleanse, heal, guide, protect, and strengthen us. Of these things I joyfully testify in the sacred name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My message is directed specifically to individuals who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I will address a fundamental question many of you may have. Why are Latter-day Saints so eager to tell me about what they believe and to invite me to learn about their Church? I pray the Spirit of the Lord will help me to communicate effectively and you to understand clearly my response to this important question. Devoted disciples of Jesus Christ always have been and always will be valiant missionaries. A missionary is a follower of Christ who testifies of Him as the Redeemer and proclaims the truths of His gospel. The Church of Jesus Christ always has been and always will be a missionary church. The individual members of the Savior's Church have accepted the solemn obligation to assist in fulfilling the divine commission given by the Lord to His apostles, as recorded in the New Testament. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Latter-day Saints take seriously this responsibility to teach all people in all nations about the Lord Jesus Christ and His restored gospel. We believe the same Church founded by the Savior anciently has been reestablished on the earth by Him in the latter days. The doctrine, principles, priesthood, authority, ordinances, and covenants of His gospel are found today in His Church. When we invite you to attend church with us or to learn with the full-time missionaries, we are not trying to sell you a product. As members of the Church, we do not receive prizes or bonus points in a heavenly contest. <laughs> we are not seeking simply to increase the numerical, numerical size of the Church. And most importantly, we are not attempting to coerce you to believe as we do. We are inviting you to hear the restored truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ so you can study, ponder, pray, and come to know for yourself if the things we are sharing with you are true. Some of you may respond, but I already believe in Jesus and follow His teachings, or I am not sure if God really exists. Our invitations to you are not an attempt to diminish your religious tradition or life experience. Bring all that you know is true, good, and praiseworthy and test our message. Just as Jesus beckoned two of His disciples to come and see, so we urge you to come and see if the restored gospel of Jesus Christ enlarges and enriches 
that which you already believe to be true. Indeed, we feel a solemn responsibility to carry this message to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And that is precisely what we are doing with a force today of more than 88,000 full-time missionaries laboring in over 150 sovereign states around the world. These remarkable men and women help the members of our Church fulfill the divinely appointed and individual responsibility each of us has to proclaim the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ. But our eagerness to declare this message is not merely the result of a sense of spiritual duty. Rather, our desire to share the restored gospel of Jesus Christ with you is a reflection of how important these truths are to us. I believe I can best describe why we are so forthright in seeking to explain our beliefs to you through an experience my wife and I had many years ago with two of our sons. One evening, Susan and I stood near a window in our home and watched two of our little boys playing outside. During the course of their adventures, the younger of the two boys was injured slightly in a small accident. We quickly recognized that he was not seriously hurt, and we decided not to provide immediate assistance. We wanted to observe and see if any of our family discussions about brotherly kindness had sunk in. <laughs> what happened next was both interesting and instructive. The older brother consoled and carefully helped the younger brother back into the house. By this time, Susan and I had positioned ourselves near the kitchen so we could see what next took place, and we were prepared to intervene immediately if additional bodily harm seemed likely <laughs> or if a serious additional accident was imminent. The older brother dragged a chair to the kitchen sink. He climbed up on the chair, assisted his brother onto the chair, turned on the water, and proceeded to pour a very large quantity of dishwashing soap onto the scratched arm of his little brother. He did his best to gently wash away the dirt. The reaction of the little brother to this procedure can only be described accurately using language from the Holy Scriptures and they shall have cause to howl <laughs> and weep and wail and gnash their teeth. And, oh, brothers and sisters, did that little boy howl. After the scrubbing was finished, the arm was carefully dried with a towel. Eventually, the screaming stopped. The older brother next climbed up onto the kitchen counter, opened a cabinet, and found a new tube of medicated ointment. Though the scratches on his little brother were not large or extensive, the older brother applied almost all of the ointment in the tube <laughs> to the entire injured arm. The screaming did not resume, as the little brother clearly liked the soothing effect of the ointment much more than he appreciated the cleansing effect of the dishwashing soap. The older brother returned again to the cabinet in which he had found the ointment 
and located a new box of sterile bandages. He then unwrapped and put bandages all up and down his brother's arm, from the wrist to the elbow. With the emergency resolved and with ointment and wrappers and soap bubbles all over the kitchen, the two little boys hopped down from the chair with bright smiles and happy faces. Now what happened next is most important. The injured brother gathered up the remaining bandages, the almost empty tube of ointment, and he went back outside. He quickly sought out his friends and began to put ointment and bandages on their arms. Susan and I were struck by the sincerity, the enthusiasm, and the rapidity of his response. Why did that little boy do what he did? Please note that he immediately and intuitively wanted to give to his friends the very thing that had helped him when he was hurt. That little boy did not have to be urged, challenged, prompted, goaded to act. His desire to share was the natural consequence of a most helpful and beneficial personal experience. Many of us as adults behave in precisely the same way. When we find a treatment or medication that alleviates pain with which we have long suffered, or we receive counsel that enables us to face challenges with courage and perplexities with patience. Sharing with other people things that are most meaningful to us or have helped us is not unusual at all. This same pattern is especially evident in matters of great spiritual importance and consequence. For example, an account in a volume of scripture known as the Book of Mormon highlights a dream received by an ancient prophet leader named Lehi. The central feature in Lehi's dream is the Tree of Life, which is a representation of the love of God that is most desirable above all things and most joyous to the soul. Lehi explained, And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof, and I beheld that it was most sweet above all that I ever before tasted. Yea, and I beheld that the fruit thereof was white, to exceed all the whiteness that I had ever seen. And as I partook of the fruit thereof, it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also. The greatest manifestation of God's love for His children is the mortal ministry, atoning sacrifice, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit on the tree can be considered a symbol for the blessings of the Savior's atonement. Lehi's instant response to partaking of the fruit of the tree and experiencing great joy was an increased desire to share with and serve his family. Thus, as he turned to Christ, he also turned outward in love and service. Another important episode in the Book of Mormon describes what happened to a man named Enos after his earnest and pleading prayer was heard and answered by God. He said, And my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my Maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, yea, and when the night came, 
I did still raise my voice high, that it reached the heavens. And there came a voice unto me, saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. And I, Enos, knew that God could not lie, wherefore my guilt was swept away. And I said, Lord, how is it done? And he said unto me, Because of thy faith in Christ, whom thou hast never before heard nor seen, wherefore go to thy faith hath made thee whole. Now it came to pass that when I had heard these words, I began to feel a desire for the welfare of my brethren, the Nephites. Wherefore, I did pour out my whole soul unto God for them. As Enos turned to the Lord with full purpose of heart, his concern for the welfare of his family, friends, and associates increased simultaneously. The enduring lesson we learn from these two episodes is the importance of experiencing in our personal lives the blessings of the Atonement of Jesus Christ as a prerequisite to heartfelt and authentic service that stretches far beyond merely going through the motions. Much like Lehi, Enos, and our little boy in the story I recounted, we as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have felt the anguish associated with spiritual uncertainty and sin. We also have experienced the cleansing the peace of conscience, the spiritual healing and renewal, and the guidance that are obtained only by learning and living the principles of the Savior's gospel. The Atonement of Jesus Christ provides the cleanser necessary to be made pure and clean, the soothing salve to heal spiritual wounds and remove guilt, and the protection that enables us to be faithful in times both good and bad. To you family members and friends who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I have attempted to explain fundamental reasons why we are missionaries. Absolute truth exists in a world that increasingly disdains and dismisses absolutes. In a future day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus the Christ absolutely is the only begotten Son of the Eternal Father. As members of His Church, we witness He lives and that His Church has been restored in its fullness in these latter days. The invitations we extend to you to learn about and test our message grow out of the positive effects the gospel of Jesus Christ has had in our lives. Sometimes we may be awkward or abrupt or even relentless in our attempts. Our simple desire is to share with you the truths that are of greatest worth to us. As one of the Lord's apostles, and with all of the energy of my soul, I bear witness of His divinity and reality, and I invite you to come and see. In the sacred name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.